hello, hello, and welcome back to the Troublemakers Podcast. I am your host, Jason Francis, and listen, if this is your first time joining us, welcome to the Troublemakers. It's really kind of cool to have you here. Um, this is a platform and podcast where we want to have real, authentic, and challenging spiritual conversation. We want it to be a safe space for you to, to bring those thoughts and ideas that may not be as popular in the mainstream, but are real points of um, of questioning that you have with your faith, of exploration that you have with your faith, maybe even inspiration or excitement that you may be afraid of sharing in other spaces. We want to have all of that brought to this place. And so, in light of that, what we've decided to do for season two of Troublemakers is to take um, you all, our listeners, on a journey on the actual questions that our team had that took us on our uh, journey of faith, that took us to the place and perspective where we are now. You know, a lot of the feedback that I've received from individuals who listen to our podcast who are part- or, or participate in our clubhouse rooms, which I hope that you're checking out and if you're a part of, listen, if you can be on clubhouse and be on any of those talks, make sure that you are Cara and Leah been doing a truly amazing job just um uh, creating a a platform for open conversation so yeah definitely check those out but a lot of the feedback that i get from anybody who kind of engages um what we do as troublemakers a lot of what they share with me is how the things that we're discussing and touching upon are either questions that they directly have or thoughts or perspectives that they have never really heard talked about before but they've always wondered about so I really wanted to first kind of share all the questions that we had that took us on our different individual journeys, but also invite you all to share with us questions that you have as well, because we definitely want to be having those conversations um, on our platform too. You know, I truly, truly, truly believe that um, the Most High God Almighty has every single person on an individual journey and is showing them different things. And when we bring all these thoughts and perspectives together they may be so different but that's kind of what makes it beautiful it almost like it all comes together and paints this wonderful picture of the spiritual world of truth of hope of salvation of the gospel of just the the true um, might and in, incredible wonder of creation so I, I I really welcome everybody's perspective I've had such a tremendous learning and growing experience just having conversations with the troublemakers teams and with those of you all who have reached out to me so i thank you for that and we really want to continue that journey in a meaningful way for this our season two so without further ado let's jump in with our first conversation this one will be split into two parts um i think that it's going to be something that will be intriguing for you all and i definitely want to hear your feedback and your thoughts on what we discuss today much love thank you for being here welcome back to troublemakers Welcome once again to another episode of the Troublemakers Podcast. I have um, with us today my brother Rob and my brother Lawrence, who Law now has his own podcast. He's doing some big things, man. Can you just do a quick plug of just what it's about and uh, what you got going on with that thing? Yeah, absolutely. So the name of my podcast is the Lawrence Rob Podcast. It took me a while to find that name. And, um, I can imagine. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, it's a cultural podcast uh, designed to kind of stay relevant with the culture, but also give some insight that will help our individual lives. And so um, you get a lot of introduction of different cultures. You get some of my takes on what I deem relevant to the culture. 
So I'm not like a blog podcast. I don't talk about everything. If nothing relevant happened, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I also would want to introduce my listeners to different ideas and concepts that they might not get on a regular basis. Man, so, man. Well, Am I doing a good job, Jay? Yeah, you do a good job, man. Like I've been listening. Like you got me hooked. Every conversation, like whenever I start it, I have to listen to it all the way through because I'm just like, okay, this is this is this is dope. So, man, keep up the great work, all of our listeners. We absolutely tell you go look for um, difficult name to remember, but the Lawrence Front podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And um, make sure that you show him some love. Give him some great high ratings in whatever store that you listen to it. And um, yeah, leave some comments and reviews and uh, yeah, be blessed. Now, uh, today's conversation, like so for this season of Troublemakers, I really wanted to explore the questions that the members of our team have had that have kind of taken us on the journey to the place where we are now. You know, and so I kind of put it before we even begin recording this season, I kind of put it to the to the to the squad or whatever we call ourselves. Um, like, what are some of the questions that took you on the journey? And one of the questions that came up that uh, I really it really resonated with me. And I actually kind of remember while, you know, during the journey of this person kind of asking this question or at least um, and I'll just say who it is. It was Lawrence. It was your question. Um, I remember back at Oakwood, one of the first kind of deep professional found conversations I had with you was on this specific topic. And that question is, is Jesus God according to the scriptures? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so could you give us just, just a quick, like maybe just a two minute background on what just brought you to that question? Yeah, sure. So what brought me to the question you know, I was born and raised Seventh-day Adventist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was taught Jesus was God, but it wasn't quite explained. In fact, even when dealing with the what they call the Trinity Doctrine, mm-hmm. they would always kind of leave it with a, it's a mystery, no one knows. But Jesus is God, Just you just got to know that, right? <laughs> so, you know, as a child, I accepted that. Cool, whatever. Uh, when me and my wife were dating, uh, my wife's family background is Jehovah Witness. Mm. So, you know, for those who understand Jehovah's Witness doctrine, they don't believe Jesus to be God. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't know I didn't know anything about Jehovah's Witness doctrine. All I knew as a Seventh-day Adventist was there's the Adventist church and then there's Sunday churches. And that's the scope of my uh, church history growing up Seventh-day Adventist. And so when I learned about these people who don't believe Jesus is God, I was like, of course, Jesus is God. What are you talking about? And I went to the go-to text that everybody goes to, John 1, 1, where it says, right. in the beginning, what the word, the word was God, and the word was God. Well, in the Jehovah Witness um, version of their Bible, they have what's called uh, the New World Translation, which is their own interpretation of the scriptures. Their version says uh, the word was a God. Um, indefinite article with a lowercase g. Man. And I was like... That's not what the Bible, like, what is this? Right. So now my wife is asking me to prove something that number one, I can't prove. Number two, they have a Bible that reads different. So naturally I had to go deeper to actually prove it. But in going deeper, I discovered a lot of things. That's what probably we'll be talking about today. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was almost like this question became a catalyst for growing other areas of your faith as well. Yes, because at the time that she asked me, um, I wasn't really even trying to be a Christian. 
But growing up Adventists, there's like an argumentative culture, if you will. Like, you know, like we're right. This and is so true. this is very true. <laughs> you and Rob were talking about this the other day. Yeah, man. So I was more just trying to prove them wrong mm-hmm. versus trying to bring them truth, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and even though I wasn't trying to bang with Christianity, um, this this probably gonna sound really crazy. But you know, I was engaged to my wife and I wanted my the children of my mother to be a Christian. Because I believe a Christian mom would raise children better. So though I didn't want to be a Christian, I wanted Abby to be a Christian. Oh, I see what you're saying. So that she could <laughs> be a good mother. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and for me, being Adventist is well, she has to be an Adventist Christian. Right, right. To raise my kids up in the in the truth that I was no longer going to be a part of. So it's very confusing. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, man, that's a whole nother podcast, man. We got it. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting topic. All right. So, um, well, just to, so I was raised Adventist as well. And so, and I'm sure Rob, right, Rob, you, your background is Adventist as well, right, brother? You, yeah, I think my mom converted. I was probably a toddler or something. So pretty much raised, raised in it my, my whole life. Mm-hmm. So... I know for, I think the three of us, we were all just raised with that standard view. I personally, I don't think that I'd even seriously consider the question literally until I met you, Law. Like, Mm. it wasn't even, it was just like a given to me. Like, even just the Trinity teaching in general. And it wasn't really something I could fully articulate. It didn't, Mm. honestly, it didn't make sense. But it was just like, well, this is what we say. So this is what it is. And I think that, um, you know, I was like reading a lot of like LNG White books too at that time. And she will kind of paint a picture of like Jesus being like the sun in heaven and like kicking it. And, you know, so I was like, well, I guess it was like he was his son in, in heaven and he came <laughs> down. Like, you know, the imagery was there for me. So it wasn't really a question that I really wrestled with until I got into conversations with you. And it, man, the, the, the stuff that you would say truly challenged me. And so, well, before I ask the question, I'm going to ask, like, Rob, what, what, is this a question that you ever addressed in your, I mean, I'm sure at some point you have because you're a thinker. So I, I would love to hear your perspective on this, man. Yeah, man. So as I mentioned, I, I grew up in a church and there's just kind of, you know how it is when you grew up in any culture, especially religious culture, that the reality is just kind of set out for you as like a stock sort of um picture you know like um I, what's, what's the, i'm trying to think of like a an analogy for it but just reality is set out for you it's laid out for you and you're just told to essentially believe and accept certain things which i did i i to to a certain degree but and i always have my questions so like you kind of hinted at the the trinity question that that always bothered me i used to always as a kid be like yo why y'all trying to tell me three is one bro like <laughs> now y'all don't put me in school all these years you know one is one two is two one plus one plus one definitely equals three except when it comes <laughs> to this one thing and i'm just like i always was like Bullshit. you know like like yes you know what i'm saying like not going for it um and so that was always kind of there in the back of my head when i got to oakwood I found a bit of um, I just noticed that the department wasn't super open to questions, or at least that wasn't my experience. Let me say mm-hmm. that maybe I wasn't talking to the right people, whatever. But I remember when I had certain questions like, yo, around the, the divinity of Christ, like, yo, how could you kill God? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, wouldn't reality like just like 
deconstruct. If you kill the creator who's holding it all together, um, and or or like you know, so I, I had all kind of theories. Like he must have dipped off, like his flesh died, but then his divinity dipped off to another realm. And he was kicking it somewhere, and that's how it happened. You know what I'm saying? I had all kind of ways I was trying to like wrap my mind around the fact that like you can't kill God. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. Um, and I had some other questions that I may I may ask. They're gonna sound a little wild. I ain't gonna hold you, and they'll probably sound hella irreverent, but I don't mean it that way. They're just genuine questions you know um but you know i kind of was met with ridicule like like um you know scorn when when not scorn mockery maybe something like that when i kind of was raising those questions at oakwood kind of like rob what the hell are you talking about like shut up bro like what do you think way too like what bro um or there was often this like um this whole idea of like you were supposed to handle all of that before you came to Oakwood. That that's like a thing that I often wow. heard from some of the professors. Like I heard that stated a few times, like, oh no, nah, like we don't do apologetics here or whatever. Like you were supposed to figure all that out before you even came to the seminary kind of thing. Um wow. so, so so that was my experience. And so I'll lay out a question here. Yeah. Um and and you know you all do it with you will but i would love to hear an answer to this because it's something that came to my mind and i just you know it just sits there i never know what to do with it so here here here's the thing right yeah when i am thinking of jesus and him being divine there was there's the whole idea of the immaculate conception right and you have this god who impregnates you know via god magic right um mary Mm-hmm. who's supposed to have never slept with anyone before. And that, and that's how Jesus comes to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we hear that as like, Oh God, like she was asleep and he just like, like I blew the, the, the God magic on her. And boop, she was pregnant. Now what I'm curious about is when you're telling this story. Yeah. To first century, you know, these ancient peoples, especially Greco Romans, how are they hearing that story? Mm-hmm. Do they understand as a, God magic, you know, yeah. some, I'm, I'm wiggling my fingers, by the way, you know, um, <laughs> got to create the visual, he just kind of imbued her, you know what I'm saying? But I imagine, right. Knowing what I know about Greco Roman history and, and, and spirituality and all that stuff, they would hear it very differently. Like I'd imagine they'd read the Jesus story, like, Oh no, God came down and like, it had sex with Mary and like, that's how you get Jesus. And so I, I often wonder like how they, do they view him as like a, little g god like hercules kind of thing right or was he big god and like why is jesus often he's often clearly submitting himself to the father like he's very clear the father is greater than i am like Mm -hmm. like period you know Mm -hmm. and so those those things often they they muddied the water for me around the jesus topic to where i was i I don't know like you know right 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 i don't know so i'd love to hear y'all speak on that especially um lawrence and and jason as well yeah man absolutely i'm gonna pass it to you lawrence too but i just want to (laughs) (laughs) go pass the ball yeah we're gonna go pass the ball but um i mean because i want to say to the because the picture that you're painting rob i think even if people don't fully admit it, is the picture that a lot of people carry of how this kind of took place. Or at least in terms of like, I like how you said Hercules, because it's like the idea of like, okay, so you had like Zeus, who was like the god of all the other gods, and he impregnated a woman and had this child, right? Mm. And I feel like at some level, 
those pictures of God do come into like this discussion because most people do kind of think of God as more like a Zeus, like Mount Olympus type God figure, you know? And so Jesus does essentially kind of come become like, well, he's just kind of like a hybrid. So he's lesser than God. He's lower in the food chain. And so you really have God, then you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit is just somewhere out there. And that's kind of how I think a lot of people have thought of it. And certainly... I used to think of it in that way to the point where I didn't really give a lot of stock to who Jesus was as a person outside of he died for my sins because God had to sacrifice somebody for me. And that was kind of the extent of the relationship where it was like, oh, I'm really trying to access God. Jesus is in the equation somewhere. The Holy Spirit's in the equation somewhere. But really, it's, you know, he's more like a Hercules figure. And I, I worship God. And so... Yeah, really wasn't until I got in conversation with you, Law. So yeah, I want you to kind of And we're instructed to pray to, to the Father. Right. Which always like when people be praying to Jesus, I'd be like, Yo, that's not even biblically sound, fam. <laughs> like you all in Jesus, they like dear Jesus, that that that's not even biblically sound. You know what I'm saying? And it always blew my mind when I hear it, but I just let it go. Obviously, I just let it go. Like, you know what I'm saying? But in the back, sometimes in the back of my head, I'm I, I just like those questions have have always uh, settled there. And so I just kind of stole the ball from Jason just to pass it back to him. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what we're doing. We just, <laughs> we're basically pass killing time right now. Just like... <laughs> which, which I am completely cool with because I'm going to try to answer um, all of the questions as much as possible. Um, Real quick before you say yeah. though, do our perspectives <laughs> reflect at all where your mindset was at that point? Um, yes, it does. Okay. In that um, the Trinity doctrine, as it's taught, um, never made sense to me uh, until I received certain things. And even my understanding of the Trinity, at first when I received it, it it's not, I'll, I'll say it this way, it's not the mainstream understanding of the Trinity. Mm. But there were people before me who drew the same conclusion. Mm. And so it took me a while to find those people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause I'm just like, Oh, it, it all makes sense. Then I'll talk to people like, no, that's not true. When you read the traditional Christian the theology books about Trinity, that's not how they understood it. And I'm like, but it's the only thing that makes sense. And then I, I started finding some people who, who drew those same lines. Um, I don't think they took the same path, but the logic was the same. And so, um, yeah. So what you guys are saying makes sense, especially cause that's how the church gets it. The church mm -hmm. teaches us, that there's three beings but one God. That's right. the traditional Trinitarian doctrine. Three beings but one God. Any logical person knows that makes absolutely no sense. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, hold on, I'm, I'm looking for a particular verse. Uh, anyway, and so when when I first heard that doc that doctrine, I I was wondering. So that means then that the father is not God alone because mm -hmm. you're telling me that there's three beings who make up one God. So that means then none of them are God in isolation. It takes all three for there to be God. Then it got a little more trickier. Well, you know, they all always exist. Um, and so there's never just one. And then that's where the Jesus factor kind of throw the curveball in that. Like, well, Jesus was, was isolated. He was, you know what I mean? He was walking by himself as far as we understand. And so that just didn't make any sense. Um, and so I'm trying to figure out where to start to, I mean, to give the answer and then we can kind of reverse engineer it. 
To give the answer according to the scriptures, as I understand it, Jesus is God. And Jesus is not another God or a lesser God. Jesus is the Father in human form. Mm. That is the conclusion that I drew. And so to kind of share some of the logic while condensing it, because I just want to let the listeners know, this was years of study. This wasn't like no pastor came in and broke it down to me. Um, No books, there was no book I could read that broke it down to me. At least at the time, I couldn't find a book that broke it down to me. And so I had to spend years just studying the scriptures and not studying the scriptures to prove that Jesus is God, but studying the scriptures to understand what the scriptures are saying. And so a lot of this came through my own personal devotional study, not to prove Jesus is God. Man. So let me ask you that. So when did that shift happen for you then? Because initially it was to prove, right? Like you started the journey. Yeah. So I started the journey with John. Mm -hmm. And like I said, went to John one, it was simple. I thought it was dead. And then I saw they had another Bible. So, Oh, it's not dead. Okay. Um, (laughs) And so I continued to read John because I had enough sense to say, well, if this verse is in John, maybe if I read John, I'll get more understanding. Mm, that's good. But what ended up happening was I got slapped with the gospel and ended up being converted. That's really what happened, man. And so the idea of Jesus being God of Jesus being God was no longer a consuming thought. Mm. I was more grateful for the work that he's done for our sins. And the fact that I can have eternal life by just accepting him, that shifted my whole heart. So I kind of moved away from even even with dealing with Abby, it was no longer you need to be a Christian, you need to be a Christian. It was like, I just want you to know Christ for yourself, man. You know, so everything changed. But, you know, I still had that question. It just was no longer a uh, a pleading thought, because for me, in my experience, the gospel was convicting me in areas that wasn't just logical. Mm. You know what I mean? So it Mm -hmm. was ministering to me in a much deeper place. So that's why, you know, and as I mature, I learned about being born again and, and all of that. Um, but at the time I couldn't put it into words, like what was happening to me. And I still, to this day, I don't believe most people will be converted through logic. I think some people will because they're just intellectuals like that. My phone's ringing. Um, <laughs> hold on. All right, uh, go ahead. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> We're going to edit this out. <laughs> yes, good. Edit it out because I'm not answering. It's my school, my kid's school. I call it for no reason. But um, <laughs> I, I don't believe most people are going to say, are going to be saved through or converted, you know, for lack of a better term, through like logical discourse. Um, I think some will, but most won't because the call of the gospel, it has to, you have to, you have to have, for lack of a better term, a need, feel a need for salvation. Mm-hmm. So I'm of the opinion that some people, they're good with God. And if you're good with God, it's not my job to convince you you're not good with God. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm wasting my time trying to convince you who feels like you're good with God, that you're not good with God because you're not a Christian. That's not, I don't believe any of us is supposed to do that. I believe we're supposed to find those who aren't good with God and share the gospel with them. Yeah. And let them know, no, you are good with God because God was never depending on you to make it right. He made it right himself. The problem with the Trinity doctrine, as we understand it, is God made it right but through like a third party. It was like God delegated our salvation. Mm. 
And if we look at it from that perspective, God really didn't do anything. You know what I mean? It's like it's like like the owner of a corporation where they have a whole bunch of workers and the owner takes credit for the work the workers do. It's like, yeah, fam. I mean, you came up with the idea. You, you orchestrated things. The reality is if you had no workers, you would you would be lost You because you can't do that on your own. Yeah. Yeah. And when you talk about an all powerful God who needed to delegate salvation, he sounds less powerful, at least to me. Mm. And so I I had to understand who Jesus was, why are we praying in his name and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you read the book of John, John does start off with Jesus being God, but Jesus or the word being God, if we want to be technical, John starts with the word being God and the word the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Mm-hmm. God starts, uh, John starts with the word being a being that was with God. Right. While also being God himself. Right. So one can look at it, <clears throat> one can look at it like the Jehovah Witnesses do, where it's a lesser God. Or another one can look at it from the, the way that the Greeks would write in terms of God being in fellowship with themselves meaning there was no one, but so almost like God looking at himself in the mirror. Hmm. And what you have to deal with now is now you're not dealing with God in nature, but God in manifestation. I don't want to lose anybody. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. So, so when they talk about the word became flesh and dwelt among us, but we see the word is of some divine being. So John one, one said the word is God or a God I learned in Greek. So now, yeah, that's what I wanted it. to ask you. Yeah. Right. So when I learned Greek at Oakwood and I learned about how the Greek language is constructed, I realized that the Jehovah Witness translation is inaccurate. Okay. So I because the way they translate it, they're they're doing a typical word for word translation. They they did not consider the grammar because in the Greek language where the words are is not as important as the endings of the word. Right. 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 Yeah. See, you, you, guys, yeah. you guys are educated on the topic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so I don't want to bore the listeners, but let me just say that part, the word was God, the, the Greek word for word and God, logos and theos, they're both the subject. Mm. It's what the Greeks call a predicate nominative, meaning they're both the nominative. They both equal each other. Either or can be the subject. Mm. So since there is a definite article, the, that's in the nominative, it's for both of the nominative words. The article in the end, the clause, if you will, the ending of the article goes with, the. it matches the ending. So it's like a puzzle. You know what I mean? The endings look a certain way. When you see an article, it has an ending that's going to match the ending of the word it's associated with. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. you see the word was God, is really should be translated. The word was the God. The God. Yes. Yo. And so that Yo. lets us know that John was was clear in the original writing that this was not just a divine being, but the divine being. Mm. And if you break it down further through history, John was not making up a concept. The Greeks already had an understanding that the Lagos was the creator of all things. The Lagos is the one responsible for everything that we have. The Lagos is the head honcho of it all. Right. And just for our listeners, Lagos is the word 
that's trans being translated as word. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Let's say that. (laughs) So when he says that, you know, the logos is God. Any Greek reader would be like, yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. (laughs) You -hmm. know what I mean? The logos, if if God is the creator of all things and the logos being God makes sense. The logos being with God because there's God (sighs) without sounding crazy, but there, there's God who is here, and then there's God that's being extended. So they, they always had an understanding that the extension of God is still God. Mm. It's, so it's, yeah, go ahead. So how does this fit in with, because what you're talking about, I'm imagining people are going to be less familiar with than like the Greek pantheon. So how does the logos fit in with the Greek pantheon? Because if, if you were to ask me 15 years ago, what the Greeks, I'd be Zeus. So like, yeah, you, yeah. you start talking about the Logos, you're like, oh yeah, the Greeks definitely. So like, what is the, where you, where where do you find that the Logos is so significant and how does that compare with the Greek pantheon? So, and, and that's a good question. I don't know how it compares to the Greek pantheon. I have no idea. Because the Greeks didn't honor the pantheon as an absolute, except for those, as far as I understand it, except for those that were involved in the cults. Mm-hmm. So if you was a part of a particular cult of a particular god, then the pantheon meant a whole lot to you. The Lagos is more of a Greek philosophy idea. Mm-hmm. And so in the realm of Greek philosophy, the Lagos mm-hmm. is God. But as far as Greek mythology, it wasn't, it wasn't held as important to the everyday worshiper. So they might, so the only ones who worship Aries, for example, for example, was the warriors. And even the warriors, you would read writing where they're like, Ares is not here. It's me killing these niggas. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we're not going yeah. to depend on Ares. Like, they didn't have this, the same devotion, if you will, to the pantheon like other cultures have to their gods. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's mm-hmm. why I always say that the Greeks and the Romans, they're, they're really atheists in nature. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't respect spirituality as relevant to real life. It mm-hmm. was ritualistic because they really believed in luck more than anything else mm. so chance was we do this by chance so um but if you were a part of a cult obviously you had a different devotion and so the mythology mattered more to you if you was a part of of the cult um or if you were going into a particular mystery school then they might teach you some things that's connected to the pantheon and i have no knowledge of that but what i do know is the Logos was a big deal in Greek philosophy. And I don't think philosophy, Greek philosophy, as I'm thinking about it now, Greek philosophy really doesn't make any mention of the Pantheon for real when you read um, Greek philosophy literature. You know, I don't see them talking about Zeus, Ares, Aphrodite. Or yeah, yeah. None of that. Hercules, like, you don't... I can't think of Aristotle ever quoting any of these guys or Socrates or any of that. you got to remember, Greek philosophy comes from the Egyptian mystery school. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? So the Egyptian mystery school had this understanding that the word that you speak, the breath, that's where that's God really is really coming from the fact that your breath is God. Mm-hmm. And so the Lagos is the, the, the Lagos is consciousness in movement is what the Lagos is. So the word is consciousness tapped on your breath. Like when you speak, a, we're speaking words, it's mm-hmm. our consciousness riding on our breath. That's what a word is. Man, and I appreciate you saying that because I was wondering if there was a concept of this kind of, what almost sounds like a duality within ourselves as well. With just, I, and I think it's in exactly what you said, our consciousness being expressed um, 
Yeah, it's a word. It's kind of crazy because in the end, it kind of means the same thing as it would mean colloquially even now is the idea of like, well, your word is your declaration of you. Yes, yes. And so back then your word was bond. Like the streets kind of understand that, but you know, Mm -hmm. things are changing now, but your word was bond. And so you went against your word, you might as well be dead. So most of these oaths, the consequence was death. Mm -hmm. So you had to flee if you went against your word. Because mm-hmm. your word was you. It wasn't really much of a separation. Um, even the expression of your mind, that's why art was elevated to such a high level um, in, in the Greek and Roman time. Art was considered a manifestation of divine energy. Mm. So artists were in worship, but they it, artists were spiritual, for lack of a better term. They believed artists to be possessed, if you will, with, mm-hmm. with God, with divine energy. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So I think that begins at least to kind of answer some of Rob's initial question for how the first century readers would at least read John 1, right? John 1, 1. But then I think that the question that comes from that then is, um, what do we do then with it seeming like there are such distinct personalities between the word of God and well, I, the only way I can express it is the, between the father and the son, Okay, you know, because now, there's a level of communication that takes place between them. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we got to deal with that because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's John 1 14. Right. And so when, now, when God, yeah. So when God takes on, physical form, what does that mean in terms of God's divinity? Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that I had, even hearing that God becomes man, I had to ask myself, was this the only time God became man? And the answer is no. There are Old Testament references where God becomes man, like eating, walking. Yeah. I mean, we hear it even in, in, in Genesis when it's talk about he walked on the garden, like where these legs come from. Like, you know, this idea of you know of god who jesus says is spirit and if god is spirit then he's not walking with legs Mm. that's not what spirits do and this idea of god being omnipresent you can't be um i'm well you can but i had to learn the philosophy later but you know being omnipresent and at one location was kind of complex in my brain like how can i be here and still everywhere Mm. And so that was one of the things I had to wrestle with. Is God even omnipresent? Is that just something we believe or is there any truth to that, to that, I guess, idea of philosophy? And so when you're dealing with Jesus in the flesh, what you're dealing with is a manifestation of God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so since, since God, so God can manifest in multiple places at one time. That's something that those who are bound to the flesh cannot do. So, Rob, to kind of make a connection, um, it's very similar to how you can. Uh, it's not the same, though. Never, I, I'll say what I was going to say, but it's not exactly the same. But, you know, uh, have you ever heard about um, conjure workers borrowing uh, a cemetery? If their loved one doesn't live near them, they would make a deal with another spirit. Yeah. OK, so when they make that deal with another spirit, sometimes their loved one can visit them there. The idea is their spirit can manifest there while still being wherever it's housed. Mm-hmm. And so multiple people can be possessed by the same spirit because in the spirit realm, you are able to manifest in multiple places. Mm-hmm. So physically, the physical nature doesn't 
manifest in multiple places. Mm-hmm. But spiritual nature can manifest in multiple places. So another example would be um, if if one if I if I die, um, one person one of my children take my coat, another one takes my shoes, another one takes my bracelets. They all have my spirit with them that's housed in these things. Mm-hmm. My spirit is not divided because my spirit is eternal and eternity cannot be divided. If infinity can't be divided. Mm-hmm. So it's a fullness of me in each of these things. Mm-hmm. The spirit can manifest in multiple places. Man. So as worshipers, everybody saying the Holy Spirit is present, right? That's right. because the right. Holy Spirit can manifest in multiple places. If that's impossible, then somebody lying, only one of us, one of these churches, but the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. We receive the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit divided? It's impossible because divinity or infinity cannot be divided. Right. And so that would then suggest if it can be divided, that means it's limited. And if it's limited, that means it can run out. Hmm. Right. If it can run out at some point, ain't going to be no more spirit left for whatever's left in creation. Yeah. The reality is spirit never runs out because spirit is never divided. It's just constantly manifesting in various forms, mm-hmm. which also matches with science, which says energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Right. So all we're doing is tapping in the energy that already exists and manifesting it over and over again. Right. Yes, so when you hear so when you hear about the universe growing, that just means there's still an energy that hasn't been exhausted yet, which is why the universe can keep growing, which is why new stars can manifest, because there's an energy source that we still haven't yet seen physically, but we're seeing the results of it over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. Yo. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 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 wait to answer your question. So when yeah. Jesus is in the flesh, what you're dealing with is a God consciousness for lack of a better term, a God consciousness in the flesh trying to show you how you can tap into that same God consciousness. So Jesus has to speak as one in the flesh so you don't think his flesh is how you get to God's consciousness. He's constantly pointing to a consciousness greater than the flesh he's yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, That's why towards the end of his ministry, when they say, show us the father, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He didn't say that in the beginning, because even when he said it, then they didn't understand him. But in the beginning, they surely wouldn't have understood him. Mm-hmm. And so where we see the dichotomy is Jesus was very much human. It's not a question of whether or not he was human. Jesus was very much human. But in being human, that didn't mean he was less God. He was still very much God, just like how we are very much in the flesh, but we're also very much spirit as well. Mm. And so if we can understand us being spirit while also, see, the problem is most of us have never tapped into our spiritual nature to have an understanding of the duality that exists within us. Or even, uh, I can't think of, of, of if it's triality or, the, but we're really three natures. Our mind is, is all of us, but still separate from our flesh. Mm-hmm. Our mind and our flesh are not one and the same, but they're connected and it's all of us. Our mind is not a lesser version of us. Our flesh is not a lesser version of us. It's all of us. Or another example is when you look at an old picture of you, that wasn't a lesser version of you. That was an, a younger version of you. Mm-hmm. That was still all of you in the past. That's who you were in fullness in the past. And this is who you are now in the present. And there is a full you in the future that you'll catch up to. Mm. So it's always you, all of you in, 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 a, in various spectrums, in the, in, the, in the dimension of time, 
there is a you that exists in three dimensions, past, present, future. The one you deal with is the present. The past is a reflective, the future is a prophecy, but it's all you. It's not a lesser you or a greater you, it's you. In, in all of his fullness. And so God manifests in all of his fullness. When God, the God that is in you is all of God in you, not a part of God. Yeah. How do we factor, how do we divide God to know how much of God is in you? How do we divide God to know Damn. the Damn. part of God that you have? Yeah. Golly. So, and I see now why, I see why this journey took you, you know what I'm saying, to like <laughs> And I still didn't even, I still didn't even go through the scriptures. We just, <laughs> because I'm speaking about other verses without going through it, but I'm going right, to right, right. Well, first, I do want you to say, where are the examples where we see, because I know what you're ref- referring to, but I don't know if our audience will know the specific examples in scripture where we see God manifesting in the flesh before Jesus. Okay, very good. So we have, um, we have, cause I'm, I'm, I'm going to save the good one for last, but we have, God, when he went to um, Samson's parents, um, he went to Samson's parents. Yeah, right. Now you remember. Right. Yeah. Went I didn't even remember parents. that one. Yeah. <laughs> the wife didn't know it was God. The wife said, you know, wife was talking to a man, said, hey, you about to pregnant, X, Y, Z. She was like, All right, cool. She told the husband. Husband said, who's this man? This man comes back. And, then, and the man said, sacrifice an offering. He sacrificed the offering. And the man went up in the offering. And Samson's parents were like, oh, this was God. And they fell on their feet. They thought they were going to die. Yeah. But they lived. And they were grateful that they lived. That was one time where God came into flesh. Another time, uh, wrestling with Jacob. When Jacob was wrestling, the Bible says um, a man came and wrestled with Jacob. Mm. Then they say it was an angel. But Jacob realized it was the Lord himself. Mm-hmm. That's right. And when Jacob realized it was the Lord, he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The Lord dislocated his hip, blessed him, and Jacob called that place Peniel, or Penuel, because Penuel means the face of God. Right. And he said, because I saw the face of God and lived. Yeah, yeah. But they always had this idea. So this is before um, God told Moses, you can't see my face or what should die. This is before then. They had this concept. Well, I mean, Roses wrote the book, so who knows the influence? But uh, according to the story, there was a concept that was if you can't see God and live. But we've seen these stories which God shows up in the flesh and lives. And and the people live to tell the story. And so the one that caught my attention was uh, when Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees in John 8. Mm. Um, He was going back and forth about... um, you know, your, your, your sons of Satan, they're like, no, we're children of Abraham. If you're children of Abraham, you would accept me. They'll go back and forth for a good while. And then they get to a point where um, where Jesus says, trying to find it. Well, anyway, he said, you know, I knew Abraham. And when he saw me, he was glad. Now, here's, here's where you need to have some understanding of, of, of the biblical writings. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, I saw Abraham. The Pharisees already don't believe nothing Jesus is saying. Mm. So when I read that, I asked the question, why would Jesus tell the Pharisees that he saw Abraham? What, why would they just believe him mm. when they're already not believing him? Right. It's just it's like claims upon claims that can never be proven. 
it's like a it's it's almost like a waste of time. And then they said, You're not even yet 50. You claim to see Abraham. And then Jesus said, Well, before Abraham was, I am. And then they were ready to stone him right. because they understood that as him making himself God. That's how they understood it. Yeah. So it's not as if that's how we understood it. That's how they understood it and was ready to kill him. But that kept ringing in my head. Abraham met Jesus. So I was like, Let me read the story of Abraham. Why not? Yeah, And there's a part in Abraham, in, in the story of Abraham in Genesis 18, where God visits Abraham in the flesh. Visits Abraham in the flesh, they eat together. Sarah cooks him a meal. And how do we know it's God? Well, outside the scripture saying the Lord showed up. What you see is the scripture says three men shows up, right? That's what it first says, three men. Well, first said, now the Lord appeared to Abraham. And then when Abraham opened his eyes, he saw three men. And so they, he was glad when he saw them, cooked them a meal, was excited, ran out, cooked them a meal. Yeah. And then two of those men went to Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of those men, the language in the story switches. It's all in Genesis 18. I'm saying it again so the listeners can check for themselves. In Genesis 18, you see him talking about, you know, he's talking to the men, the men talk back, talk to the men, the men talk back. Two of them goes, and then one of them stays, because the three men. And when the one stays, the language changes from the men to the Lord. And the Lord says, and the Lord says, and the Lord says. It was like, oh, Abraham, God visited Abraham as a man, and they were conversing and talking and eating with them, with one another. So the question that most people ask, what that I would ask is, when God visited Abraham, was all of heaven empty? Was there no God in the rest of the universe? Because we're seeing the physical God here. That's a possibility. Or it's, once again, God manifesting himself in a certain way with full God consciousness, specifically for Abraham, while still occupying all of heaven. So uh, I can't remember the philosopher's name, but there was a philosopher who spoke about omnipresence in that um, multiple manifestations, it's not multiple beings, it's multiple versions of the same being. Mm-hmm. It's similar to how the Asians, because the Asians have a similar understanding as well of spirits being able to multiply into various forms. So it's like it's like shadow clones, except you know, for those who are who are anime geeks, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the shadow clone. Um, where the shadow, where the shadow clone has the full consciousness mm-hmm. as it being the original person, you know what I mean. Except in this case, it would be the original person it actually fully is the original person. Yeah, yeah, exactly, fully, fully. <laughs> my- oh, y'all lost me at the shadow clones, but I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, my bad. My, those, yeah. those who, those who watch anime, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, okay, so, <laughs> man. I feel like we're gonna have to, this is gonna be a, a continuous conversation, man, because this, this is good stuff and it goes deep. Because I believe that there are pieces of the gospel that we don't fully grasp. Because, like, what you said early on is that you eventually realized that Jesus was trying to showcase to us the way that we can walk in this world as well. Like, he was yes. trying to literally demonstrate it for us. Yes. And I, I don't know if the average believer is walking in that power or reality. Mm. 
man and it, it gets even better from here y'all trust me this conversation is great but like i said we are gonna have to split this into two parts i'm so grateful for you joining us and listening into this conversation and i'm asking please share your thoughts and perspectives with us too wherever you're listening to this if you want to comment or if you can shoot us a message any one of our team or you know share it on your social media start a conversation listen we want to hear from all of you i really do believe that this question even though it's one that uh uh it's kind of an age-old question you know it's been debated and, and spoken about in so many different ways i do believe that it has implications from our experience as believers today right now presently and that's what part two really gets into are the implications of uh what lawrence is sharing with us so please we would love to hear your perspective and thank you so much for checking us out we really do value each and every single one of you who support our podcast you know if you can um jump into whatever um, podcasting platform that you're listening to this on and leave us a review and a rating that certainly helps with the algorithm and getting this content out to more people also be sure to join us in our clubhouse chats i believe that they're every sunday at 3 p.m eastern time we would love to hear your perspective in that as well and we're going to start having our clubhouse discussions address what we have just spoken about in a in an episode so thank you so much for joining us i look forward to you joining us again next week as my fellow troublemakers